Welcome back. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show. We are glad to have you with us. We are broadcasting live. We're out here at uh, Norwegian Hollow. We're in uh, Morocco, Wisconsin. So if you want to come by, feel free. Uh, we'd love to have you out here. Six to eight tonight is the Bill Michaels Huddle. And uh, Grant Bill's going to be obviously uh, joining me again for that program. We'll talk to Mike Clemens coming up tonight as well. And maybe another guest or two. Who knows before it's all said and done. I'm going to hear from Matt LaFleur, or not from Matt LaFleur, but uh, Jordan Love in this hour. And uh, later tonight, we might even hear uh, more from inside the Packers locker room with Mike Clemens coming up later on this evening as well. One of the things that I wanted to bring up, and I, I, I saw this over on the live stream, and I wanted to get into this. Um, there was a discussion going on about uh, the Packers and their wins and basically saying, like, look, the Packers caught the Lions and the Chiefs on the downside. They should have lost the game against the Chargers uh, because of drop passes. They didn't, you know. You never apologize in the National Football League for a win. One of the reasons that the teams could have been on a downslide is because the Packers did beat them. The Packers played extremely well in both of those games. I thought the play calling was excellent. I thought the the offense was on point. I thought the defense did enough. They got turnovers. Remember, the, the Lions moved the football in that game on Thanksgiving. They moved the football all over the field. It was the three turnovers that dictated that game for the Packers. The Packers defensively did their job. They got the turnovers. The Packers right now are plus six incoming this weekend uh, in the turnover category. Uh, they're back at even is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're dead even. The Packers are plus six. So when I look at the Packers, you know, I don't apologize for wins. They beat teams they weren't supposed to beat. You know, betters in Vegas said no. You and I were talking about it saying no. You probably, if you had to put your money, you know, or your house up, you know, which direction you were going to go, you probably would have bet the Lions and against and, and with the Chiefs as well. So you don't apologize for the wins. You know, if teams are really banged up in the week before and you get them at a good time, okay, you can understand it a little bit weakened. But both teams were playing okay football. And the NFL, other than maybe a few elite there's there's probably in the NFL right now, what would you say, Grant? Maybe five teams that are elite, six teams that are elite right now? Um, right now, I'd say the Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs. Mm, yeah, yeah. Four Ravens. or five, somewhere in there. Yeah, Ravens. Ravens, yes. I would, even, I would still consider Miami there, even though they took a weird loss the other night in Monday Night Football. Uh, when you look at what Vegas thinks of Miami, they didn't move in the line to win a Super Bowl. So, they didn't drop. I think Detroit and Miami are really similar. Let me run this by you. You tell me what you think, okay? Okay. I think Detroit and Miami can go to a Super Bowl. I think both of them can. But I think they both need a couple things to go right. Nobody can get injured. I think a top seed is required. I think Detroit needs to play most or all of their games at home. I think Miami needs to play most or all their games at home and stay healthy. Whereas I think Dallas or Philly or San Fran, they can beat anybody and play anywhere. I think they could take any path and make a Super Bowl. I don't think that of Detroit, and I don't think that of Miami. So I think, yes, those two teams, Miami, Detroit, I think they're contenders, but they need some things to go their way, and I don't believe that about the teams above them. So those two are kind of in a, a different category for me. I think Miami, if you had to pick one to get to a Super Bowl, I think I'd go with Miami because I think the top is so heavy in the NFC, whereas in the AFC, you've got Buffalo's dangerous, uh, if indeed they make the postseason. I certainly think the, the, the Ravens are a good football team. Dare we say that Cleveland, could Cleveland with Joe Flacco, who's been to a Super Bowl, 
could Cleveland with that defense be a dangerous team to face in the postseason? Do you think? Man, that defense with Miles Garrett. Yeah. I mean, look what TJ Watt you know? does for the Steelers. The same right? is true of the Browns with Miles Garrett. Right. So I could say Cleveland could be dangerous. I don't think Jacksonville's ready yet. Um, I don't know why, I just don't. I don't have a lot of faith in Jacksonville right now, even though I like what Doug Peterson can do and the fact that he's got that postseason experience. And then Kansas City's going through some flux right now. And one of two things are going to happen in Kansas City. Either everybody's going to come correct after this Patrick Mahomes sideline meltdown and uh, you know all the problems that they have faced, or, uh, you know, or, or are they going to I, – God, I, I look at – I look at the Chiefs, and I don't know what direction they're going right now. They're either going to snap out of it, or they're going to be just above that mediocrity line as a defending champ that's going to have to go away and regroup this year. And maybe, and I'm not going to say that anybody's going to overtake them, but look at Denver right now. Denver is 7-6. and six. They're only a game behind Kansas City. And I, I still don't believe in Denver. I think Denver's got way too many flaws. But they have reeled off what? Six out of their last seven. They, you know, now the big game for them coming up is against the Lions, uh, and that's coming up uh, this this seven uh, fifteen this this coming uh, this coming Sunday. So they they got to take the Lions on at Ford Field, and if they win that game, then after that they got the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. And you would assume you could assume that they could win all of those games and go from being on completely. Remember when we had Eric Goodman from Mile High Sports on? And Eric said that they were just hoping they would lose and get rid of, uh, you know, the wins and they could uh, then start over and begin to draft and the whole. And now they're talking about this team being legit. The defense has started to turn it around. The offense has certainly started to play much better. And it all began when they beat the Packers. After losing to both the Jets and the Chiefs, they come back, they beat the Packers. Then they beat the Chiefs 24, and they beat the Chiefs handily 24 to 9 up at, uh, uh, up at Mile High. And then they beat the Bills on the road. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Browns 29-12 uh, to 12 in that contest before they lost to the Texans in, in weird fashion. But that team could find themselves winning that division, still winning that division. And I, as much as I like the Chiefs, and I still think the Chiefs have that, obviously, that medal, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to completely close it out. The Chiefs have a tough road to go, even though they've got the Patriots. Now, the one thing about uh, the Chiefs, they got to play at home against Cincinnati, but Cincinnati without Joe Burrow is not the same team. Then they have the Raiders and the Chargers. So I I still think that division could end up being determined by tiebreakers rather than the Kansas City Chiefs just being handed the division because, well, they're the Chiefs and that's what they've done over the last few years. But I don't think the AFC is nearly as top-heavy as the NFC because I can picture Miami beating almost anybody, maybe, maybe not Baltimore, but almost anybody, whereas I can't picture the Lions beating Detroit or excuse me, uh, beating Dallas, beating Philadelphia, or beating San Francisco in the postseason. Can you? Well, I think you make a good point. I'm, I'm trying to think of it in terms of like, you know how we talk about certain industries, there's a high barrier of entry to join. Yeah. Right? Right. I think Detroit and Miami are both very good. There's a higher barrier of entry to contend in the NFC because you need to be able to beat Philly, Dallas, and San Francisco. You need to beat two of those teams to make the Super right. Bowl. Um, and I think that is a larger task than beating, you know, some combination of uh, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and whoever. I mean, the AFC yeah. with injuries, 
and just disappointing seasons, it's not nearly as competitive as we thought it would be. Right. And that was just it. I was just going to say the same thing. It was At the beginning of the year, you looked at the AFC and you thought, oh, my God, look at look at the bevy of quarterbacks, look at the bevy of talent, whether it's Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, you've got Lamar Jackson, you, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence has come on, Patrick Mahomes. You still had Russell Wilson, although a lot of people didn't believe in Russell Wilson, but he was still there. Tua had come on, Josh Allen. And now you look at it and you're like, well, most of these teams are pretty beatable. Everybody's shown fallibility. Baltimore, I think, has the best inroads to getting to a Super Bowl, and that's who my pick was. I'm actually looking really strong right now in my preseason pick of what I said, Baltimore and San Francisco, right? I think Baltimore was my pick from the beginning. Yep, you had Baltimore, San Fran, and I had Dallas, Kansas City. So you could still very well see Dallas there. And you still you could get to the postseason and suddenly see the Kansas City Chiefs turn it on too. And I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. But I, when you talk about De- uh, Detroit and uh, Miami, I think Miami would have an easier time of getting to the postseason or getting deep into the postseason than the Lions would. But that's because we've seen the Lions play some bad football, and the Lions over the last couple of weeks, their uh, point differential has really dropped off. They're now plus 26 only, where you got the Cowboys at plus 188. Now, granted, they've had some blowout wins against bad teams, but San Francisco's a plus 175. You look at a team, say, like uh, the Miami Dolphins, they're plus 117, and the Baltimore Ravens, by far the best team when it comes to point differential in the uh, AFC, sitting at 143. 143 on this season. So, I, I, I like Detroit, but I thought Detroit, at this point in the time, Detroit would probably have at least 10 or 11 wins right now, and I just can't well, believe they've stumbled the way they have. That's the thing. They had such a good path to the one seed, and so did, by the right. way, the Dolphins. These two, these teams are very similar in that they had kind of an inside track and a division that seemed to be settled, right? The The Lions were running away with it, the Dolphins running away with it, and, and now they've had some stumbles. They've had some ugly losses, and now that one seed is going to be a little trickier. Now, at least, Bill, if the Lions make the playoffs and they play San Francisco or Dallas— you know, those are inside or those are warm weather games, right? So right. Jared Goff doesn't have to go to Green Bay. Philly, who knows if it's rainy, that could be a catastrophe. But Miami, Tua at Arrowhead or at Buffalo in the wild card round, or that might be a little trickier. There's a lot of factors at play for both of these teams. Detroit's only big game coming up when you get into tiebreakers and such and the ability to actually grasp that one seat is because they play the Cowboys in Dallas coming up on, uh, I think it's the day before New Year's Eve. And that's a Monday night contest. Uh, otherwise, they've got the Broncos this week, then the Vikings twice. The Vikings, then the Cowboys, and the Vikings again. And that's the way they round out their season. But if they could knock off the Cowboys down there, if they get a win over Denver, you'll become, kind of become more of a believer. Then you beat the Vikings. Well, that's what you're expected to do. But if you beat the Cowboys the week after that, and then the Vikings again, and you win out, you're going to kind of, you'll, you will have earned it at that point, in my opinion. And then you're kind of put the train back on the tracks. But they've lost two of their last three, and they barely beat the Saints, remember. They didn't look good against the Bears in that win that they had at home, 31-26. Packers come in on on Thanksgiving Day, knock them off. They struggled with the Saints, get beat by the Bears. You talk about a a week in which they really got to put the train back on the tracks. Otherwise, who knows? I mean, there's still a possibility for the Vikings to win that division. If the Vikings beat them twice and beat the Packers, the Vikings could still win this division. Yeah, I think a lot of these teams are, they smell blood in the water with the Lions. I think that matters. You know what I mean? Whereas a couple months ago, it's like, man, this this team is a wagon. And the Vikings without Kirk Cousins or the Packers, you're not beating them. But now you've seen them 
expose their weaknesses a little bit. I think teams feel that. Yep, no doubt. Let's do this. We're going to step out, take a quick break. we got our buddy uh, Chuck Freeman is going to be joining us coming up, and we're going to talk some baseball with him. And, one of, you know, a lot of rumors floating around out there uh, about the Brewers and about, obviously, Corbin Burns, what they will or will not be doing. And you got to think that they're still shopping him, but at least uh, according to most general managers, a lot of calls aren't being made by the Brewers, but they're making calls to the Brewers. And we'll also talk about uh, the uh, new contract for Cheerios and kind of go from there. No more Rowdy Telez. So now what are the Brewers going to do over at first base? A lot of stuff coming up. Chuck Freeman's going to be joining us. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show on the air. We are broadcasting live. We're out here at the Norwegian Hollow. And uh, in Morocco, Wisconsin. We got Chuck Freeman coming up here, bottom of the hour. We're going to talk with him about uh, about this Brewers team. A lot of rumors floating around out there that uh, could he or could he not be retained by the Brewers. Uh, coming uh, When you start talking about Corbin Burns and is there going to be a Willie Adamas package, uh, is that going to you know happen at some point? Uh, Gavin Lux uh, could be of interest if the Brewers, uh, with some infield uncertainty, he could uh, possibly be a guy that they might be looking at. No clear indication that a trade of any nature right now is currently being discussed, but there's a lot of discussion out there as to the rumors and innuendos and things that could possibly happen. And uh, you've got uh, that the Yankees uh, could miss out on uh, other players uh, that uh, they could be Focusing on Corbin Burns in the meantime, trying to acquire Burns. Uh, but there, there's just there's so much floating around out there. Matt Arnold openly acknowledged this week that the demand for Corbin Burns is high. And he unsurprisingly did not tip his hand one way or the other. But speaking in more of general terms, did note that the winter meetings are often the place where groundwork on larger trades can be done. And he explained to Todd Rosiak of the Journal of Sentinel and others that much of the framework of last year's three-team trade between Sean Murphy, Contreras, and uh, Ruiz, that trade was put in place at the winter meetings. But a trade did not come together for several more days while the Brewers, the A's, the Braves all worked out the complementary pieces in that swap. So we all know Corbin Burns is the guy that's highly coveted. So we'll talk to uh, 
We'll talk to Chucker about that and about the first base position and if he thinks or sees anything else coming down the line. And also, Churios, uh, that deal, and we'll discuss with him. Because, you know, Grant, do you think Churios ends up with the big league team? I mean, you're paying the guy a ton of money now. Does he start uh, opening day, do you think? Maybe not opening day, but I would bet dollars to donuts that he plays uh, the majority of the season, the vast majority in the majors. Put it that right. way. Cause, I, cause I would too. When you, when you ask an expert, like, who's the opening day outfield? Well, that might not be indicative of who plays most of the year. It's 162 right. games. So just because someone starts on the opening day roster doesn't mean that they're going to you know, play the majority of, uh, right. of games. And I would bet that of Churio. He's going to be up here most of the year, if not all the year. Yep, yep, I would agree with that as well. By the way, the uh, the Shohei Otani contract, do you understand all of this? Speaking of uh, getting baseball players, you know, we all know it's 10 years, $700 million that they agreed to pay him. Now, the $700 million is guaranteed. But a few days later, when they extended the, you know, the fully revealed the extent of this thing, it's $2 million per season, a full 97% of his salary, the $680 million contract, will be deferred until later this century. Does this all make sense to you? In other words, you're just basically – they're going to owe him the money anyway, but six he's going to hit the lottery like in a decade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's it's a $700 million deal, and they're going to pay him $2 million per year throughout the duration of his 10-year contract which shapes up to $20 million. Right. And then they're going to pay him the rest of the $680 million over the following 10 years. So for the next decade, they're going to give him $2 million a year. And then starting in 10 years, they're going to give him $68 million a year. So the idea is they want to be able to build around him while he's playing. Okay. Which I can I completely get. But this is going to be one of those 10-year extension Bobby Bonilla contracts on steroids. Now, now they're not going to pay him for the next 25 years like they were with Bobby Bonilla. But that that man, that's a what are they gonna do? Sell the club and sell off that debt to somebody else? I don't know. Sixty eight million a year? What Shohei Otani should do, I think, is if he doesn't retire and go back to Japan, he should go uh live or play in Florida for a couple of years where there's no state income tax. And that way right? he's not getting seventy million a year in California paying through the nose. Like he's gonna and he's right. gonna make a ton of money in endorsements the next decade in Los Angeles anyways. So this is amazing for Shohei. He's got to wait a little bit longer. He's not getting interest, but he could set it up tax-wise where he saves himself a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Bonilla's agent set it up from 2011. I think he gets paid till he's till like 2035. Like a million a year until 2035, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it just, which is crazy money back then uh, as far as the Mets, you know, outfielder goes, Bobby Bonilla. So it's not unheard of to defer that kind of salary, but that's a million a year. That's not sixty-eight million a year. That's that's. I mean, like last year, I think it was Joey Votto and then Ken Griffey Jr. were the two highest-paid players for the Reds, and the Reds have deferred money to Griffey. But that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. That's 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 serious big-time money. And when you start kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. That doesn't bode well for your franchise down the road. You know, don't get me wrong. The Mets are still, you know, they still have a ton of money. And, they, you know, a million a year is not killing them. But $68 million a year in 10 years? Woof. And here's the thing. What prevents him 
after the 10 years from going, let's say he is great for 10 years and gets another contract from another team as a, quote, free agent at that point in time. Now, I would assume that the Dodgers have the first right of refusal, but can he then go get another contract in 10 years? Say make seven, eight, ten million, twelve million, whatever it is, whatever it is by that period period of time. To, on top of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Holy mackerel! He'll be double dipping. Mm-hmm. Unless he Do retires, it if you can get it. Yeah, well, unless he retires. Yeah, you're right. But man, but no player has ever deferred as much money in the history of baseball as Otani has. That's due in part to the unusual stature in the sport. No other players also make nearly as much as in endorsements as he does. He relies far less on his salary from Major League Baseball. It's one of the reasons that he joined the league earlier than many expected when he was just 23 and subject to MLB international signing restrictions. If he had waited until after his 25th birthday, he wouldn't have been uh, uh, subject to those. But other teams and agents prefer cleaner contracts, and general managers, uh, they privately have said that they'd rather not have salary obligations from agent contracts down the road uh, when they start talking to him. I'm reading one of these stories now. But, man, he makes more in endorsement money uh, for, for worldwide notoriety than he makes in his current salary in Major League Baseball. He will be making an estimated $32 million a year for the next five years in endorsements. So that's, what, $34 million a year with his salary and his endorsements. Jose Otani, or, uh, uh, Shohei Otani. Oof. I guess that's good work if you got that kind of talent, and he's not even going to be playing. He's yeah. going to be—he's uh, going to be a DH. That's it. He's not pitching. You got to wonder how he's going to be when he comes back. That's oof. well, and I'm—I'm I'm a little frustrated because I'm—I'm I'm getting lectures in, uh, in baseball writing that I'm reading, and from Dodger people, it's like, well, any team could have utilized this loophole, could have deferred the money. It's like, well. But it's not about right. the strategy. It's about the $680 million in principle that they have to set aside for right. a decade down the road. The right. money is still the issue. Like, yes, anybody could have bought into the housing market in 2008 when it crashed, but I was 10. I didn't have any money. You know what I mean? Right. Like, the brewers could defer money, but they don't have $7 million to pay. Right. Yeah, that's that's oof, that's a – and that's the other thing. You know, the brewers are sitting there going, well, do we have that money or should we fix the stadium? You know, there's no way they have that kind of money. There's no way Mark Mark Atanasio could defer that kind of money. Mark Atanasio uh, has a net worth of around seven hundred million dollars. Right? Yeah, he's he's not gonna you know put that kind of money out. This is what I'm saying is you should at least have a fair playing field for everybody to compete for somebody's services. And I'm not saying the Brewers got screwed because who knows? Otani could turn out to be uh, a complete failure. He may be a long ball heading. You know, DH and nothing more than that if his arm doesn't come back after the surgery. But, man, that's that's a lot of money to push down the road. Oof, that's a big nut to crack. Uh, let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. And, uh, anyway, that being said, we're going to talk with Chuck Freeman uh, about this Brewers team, speaking of the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's get into that when we come back. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Woo, 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 
Welcome back to the program. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Talk a little baseball. I was thinking about this during the break, and they were asking me, uh, you know, how old Otani is. And I kept thinking he was younger, and he got here when he was younger. I think he was 23 or 24 when he uh, came into the league, but he's been around a little while. And he's now, I think he's approaching 28 or 29 years old. So this would most likely be that last contract for him. So if he does play out the full decade and collect the $700 million and has another bite at the apple at the age of, say, 40, 39, 40, 41, then it's probably going to be, like I said, one of those one- or two-year deals, and that would be the end of it if he's still viable at that point in time. But needless to say, he will be uh, you know, well on his way to being a billionaire by that point in time. Uh, joining us over on the hotline, our guy, uh, Chuck Freeman, the speaking of billionaires. Chuck Freeman's here from the Lockdown Brewers podcast. Freems, how you doing? I'm doing far from it. I, I would have to live like maybe 15 lifetimes and then maybe I'll come close. Maybe 20. Yeah, I know you and I both, uh, we'd have to collect <laughs> a lot of trash for that. There's no doubt. No doubt. Hey, uh, let's start off with all the uh, lack of rumors about Corbin Burns. Are you surprised the Brewers have not really ramped up negotiations with anybody that uh, because they lose Woodruff, they're kind of still thinking that they want to kind of keep this thing together to see if they can't, you know, make a run at it this year. Well, you know, all the indications are that he's probably going to be the opening day pitcher next year for the Brewers. I mean, if you want to leave, <laughs> Burns thinks he's coming back. I mean, yeah. this is what they're telling the media. Burns bills is, thinks he's coming back. Uh, his agent says he's coming back. The Brewers think he's coming back. So that means he's probably going to get traded. Um, right. You know how that works. Uh, so, yeah, everything's quiet right now. You know, the Dodgers being one of the suitors, it uh, sounds like Rosenthal is reporting, Ken Rosenthal, that they're interested in Tyler Glasgow. So that would take maybe the Dodgers off the table and trying to get Corbin Burns. Uh-huh. So you know I, I, know th- I know there's been some talk about the Yankees as well, right? Yankees, there, you know, last season, there was the Red Sox. What usually happens is something like this is a team that we've not even – factored into probably gets involved and you know we'll see oh oh really he's going there he's going to texas right. oh, i didn't know that that's what's right. i bet you that's what's gonna happen you know he'll <clears throat> uh, although you know going to new york just like the soda deal who knows i mean anything's possible with these guys yeah i mean right now he's your opening day starter then you probably have freddie peralta i was i was i was not disappointed when they picked up wade miley and they brought him back you still have hauser colin ray uh devin williams is still in the back end with pi amps and company of your mm-hmm. your bullpen it's the way it sits now it's not bad you know what i mean it's not like all of a sudden because brandon woodruff is down and there's some specter right now about corbin burns like all is lost i mean you still have a relatively decent team the question then becomes First base, no more Rowdy Telez. So first base, what are they going to do? Do you do you have a, a clue as to what you think they're going to do right now? Because I, I guess Jake Bowers could play first base, but do, do they go out and get somebody else? Well, I, th- I feel like when, you know, Jake Bowers is kind of one of those, they're trying to find lightning in the bottle again. You know, he had some success with the Yankees, and they're just trying to find out, hey, you know, maybe, um, you know, we can, we can I, I would hate for that route to go. I mean, if it worked out, great, but I would hate to go down that road. I think there's better yeah. ways to go. Um, you know, you have to you have to solidify both spots. You have to solidify. You got to solidify that first base spot, and you got to solidify the third base spot, because what they have on the roster right now isn't going to do it. Now, you could move Yelich to first base because if you look at the crowded outfield, Bill, if you look at this crowded outfield, somebody's got to go, and if not, 
what are you going to do with Yelich? Because you're going to play Garrett Mitchell. You're going to play Freelich. Uh, Cherry, if he makes the roster, he's going to play. So that's three outfield spots right there. Where does everybody else go? Well, Yelich probably moves the first base. I would not be surprised if they asked him, hey, you know, Christian's 32. Uh, Christian, he just turned 32. Would you mind moving the first base? And not everybody can make the adjustment over there. But, you know, maybe this is the route to go for the good of the team. Would you consider a guy like, say, Cody Bellinger? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Who would have guessed that we'd be considering Bellinger and Yelich on the same team when right? they were both stars in 2018? But, yeah, I would. I, I definitely would. Yeah, I, I definitely I mean, he would. had a bounce-back season last year, and he's sitting sure out there, he and he can't play first base. Yeah, I'd, I'd take him. Absolutely, I would, Bill. Yeah, I, I would take him at first base. He could play first base for me, but you know what? At what point? Because his his stock has definitely gone up, as you know. Right. His stock has definitely gone up. Would so you go I in a different know. direction? Would you say go after a guy like say you know uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Matt Chapman, the kid that uh, can play third base. Go after him instead, because I don't think you can fortify with two higher end free agents. I don't think you can fortify both positions. So if you got to pick one, you may have a guy that can already play first base. Do you go after a guy like Max Chapman? who can play uh, in plays a stellar third base. Well, I think maybe Tyler Black might be getting, I then hear rumblings that he might be first. He's one of their, you know, one of their prospects that right. maybe Tyler Black gets a shot at third base. You can't go with Monasterio at third base. I mean, no. they, God, God love the kid. He did great in the role. Exceeded all our expectations a year ago. Whoever heard of Monasterio? Well, he came up in the minors and, he did great for the Brewers and, you know, moved around the infield. But, hey, do I want him on this team as a starter? No, but as a utility guy, absolutely. As a backup, you yeah. know, play me a little third base, second base, but not as an everyday guy. I mean, they were forced to use that guy every day. And, yeah, they got the most out of him, but I don't know if he's got a lot of upside. I would even take a guy like Hoskins, even though he was pretty much out for the entire 2023 season. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that had some power for the Phillies. Maybe a reclamation project. His 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 numbers, as far as his monetary numbers, are going to be down a little bit. So you know, going into it, coming off of that season that was so, you know, injury uh, filled, maybe you get a guy like that for a little bit cheaper price. You know, yeah, I think that's what you know the the internet rumors, the, the Brewers Twitter wants that. They yeah. say, oh, how about Reese Hoskins? I, I'm right. okay with that. I don't have any problem yeah. with that. That, yeah, that be that'd bad. be a good move. No, that'd be good. That'd be a good move um, because you know at least he can. Jake Bowers, I, I think that um, the league has figured him out. He went through an injury. He's just not. He, he, we don't want to go down that route. We've gone that. Right. We've gone that way before, and it hasn't worked out in the end. Right, Are you going to be surprised? Are you going to be surprised if they spend money and they actually hang on to Burns and make a run at this thing? Oh yeah, they won't. Well, they'll. I, I think what they'll do if if they don't find a suitor here in the offseason, they'll keep Burns to. They'll keep him, Bill. I would think until the deadline and see where things go because even if you keep him and you lose him at the end of next year, you're going to get a, you're going to get some compensation. You're going to get a draft mm -hmm. compensation out of that. So that's not the worst. It's not the worst possible because before you just lost the guy and you just lost him. You just right. lost him. But in this case, you know, you lose him and you, you could get some compensation in return. Um, you know, I know people have stated that, you know, maybe, you know, by keeping him, they're showing good faith and he gives them a hometown discount. You don't have Scott Boris to give you a hometown discount and you don't have Scott Boris 
to negotiate an extension. Scott Boris has always been a guy that's wanted to either maximum money or we're going to free agency. So there's no way in hell that he ends up with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2025. And I think the Players Association bill won't allow for that anymore either, you know, the hometown yeah. discount, because, you know, they want to make sure uh, they want to set bars. They, they want to continue to move the bar upward, upward, upward. And, and yeah, Burns is not given, you know, Burns was disgusted. If anything, Burns is not giving you the hometown discount because he was disgusted right. that, you know, they went to arbitration last year and, you know, they didn't kick in the extra $750,000, which I understand on the Brewers' part. I get it. It's business. Um, totally get that. Uh, so, And I think people like to come after Mark Antanasio for just not just handing out $750,000. It's a business. Right. Players Association, it's a business too, Bill, as you know. So, yeah, I don't have any... I don't have any problem, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way he's coming back on a long-term contract. He'll, if anything, he's playing out the rest of the next season, and that's it. If you would have thought that you know Burns was going to sign a deal with you and be amenable to do that, maybe you give him the seven hundred fifty thousand bucks to say, okay, here's the good faith offering. But yeah, you know mm-hmm. you're going to lose him at some point. Why just throw the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? down the down the drain so to speak even though he did yeah. have a good season it didn't change anything it seemed like early yeah. on he was pressing to prove everybody wrong but he bounced back and had a really really good season now the question becomes you know with the rest of this rest of this roster we already went through you know some of the uh, some of the pitchers but the uh, the depth of the staff are you a little bit concerned about the depth of the bullpen i mean in the bullpen we like i said you still have devin williams still have pie amps but you, you know you got your rebate which we all know he can throw really really hard but mm-hmm. there's probably a couple of guys are going to need to to fill in for, so to speak. You know what I mean? You know, I I wouldn't have been the I wouldn't have been hating the idea of trading Devin Williams in the offseason. And let me tell you why. Because I think you got Uribe, who's the closer of the future. And Devin Williams, you might be able to get several prospects. You would be able to get some good good returns. The guy was reliever right. of the year. Um, yeah, you know, that's a big part of your bullpen. But as the Brewers showed with Josh Hader, and they're showing with Devin Williams. They're reluctant on giving closers long-term contracts, and I get it because they feel like the the closers usually burn out uh, eventually. Uh-huh. And I think that's I would be okay with trading Williams and getting me back some, you know, maybe you find a first baseman or a third baseman out of a deal like that. Talking with Chuck Freeman from the Locked On uh, Brewers podcast, you can see all of his stuff there. So, Chuck, uh, you know, is this because at first we thought, well, the entire coaching staff is pretty much set, and they're still making some tweaks to it. Do you like what mm-hmm. they're doing behind the scenes with the coaching staff and what all the things that Pat Murphy has said? I like when I listen to that, you know, the unfiltered podcast. I, I like kind of his attitude. I really do. It's a it's a very casual carryover from Chris uh, from Craig Council. Are you listening to the unfiltered and not my podcast? Are you listening to Adam I do McCallum's listen to your podcast? podcast. <laughs> I listen to all podcasts. So, know. you know, McCallum. I've listened to yours. Yes, I have. No, I don't. Uh, McKelvey's a friend. You know, I'm kidding you. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, these these coaches and managers, Bill, as you know, these guys can come out and talk the talk all, all the time about what they're going to do, their big plans, they're going to do this. The one thing that concerns me is why I feel like we have kind of co-coaches here, co-managers. I feel like we have Pat Murphy, who's manager A, and Ricky Weeks, manager B. So, you know, that, that Weeks is just like manager in waiting. So if anything goes wrong, we get off to a slow start, you know the fans are going to say, oh, hire that guy next to him. They always right. want to hire the assistant. Hire the assistant coach. Hire Ricky Weeks. That's what's going to happen. That's the, one of the things. That, that's one of a few things I don't like about this, this plan that the Brewers have. And they have uh, Ricky Weeks kind of as a manager in waiting. 
You know, let yeah. let the let the big guy do his job. Let Murphy do his job. I before I let you go, real quick. Um, so at, by the time the dust is settled, do you think they have spent a lot more money, a little bit more money, or hardly any money at all this off season? Um, I think they'll spend a little bit more money. They're not going to go crazy. They're not going to. I would love to see them surprise us like the Bucks did right. and pick up Damian Lillard. Although you know, there's <laughs> there's there's certainly downsides with Lillard's defense on there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I think they're gonna they're gonna I'm, they're not gonna make a blockbuster move. They're not gonna do that. But they'll do a few things. I think uh, last year getting Contreras was a genius move. I still don't know how that that one worked out. But it worked out in their favor because they went out and traded for Will Contreras, who ended up being their offensive player of the year. Yeah. And I believe that happened in December last year, as I recall. Right. Um, so, but, you know, they laid the table down. They laid uh, this past, you know, last week or so, whenever it was, that last week of the baseball winter meetings, they laid some groundwork. So we'll see here in the next couple of weeks where that groundwork takes them. Always good to chalk, uh, talk, Chucker. I appreciate it, buddy. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. We miss you at the party, by the way. Um, well, I don't know if you saw the pictures. I was in, uh, no, I didn't, you know, I didn't because I was, I was at Notre Dame in my kids' hockey tournament. First, I've never been to, I've never been to the Golden Dome. I've never been to Notre Dame and my kid played in a 12 year old hockey tournament on the campus. Wow, Notre Dame, how amazing. What? Yeah, did you like it? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was an amazing. But, uh, yeah, I know. Hey, is there ever a bad time? At a Bill Michaels party? Are you kidding me? You're going to leave so. fed. I don't think you're so. going to leave all the alcohol you want. You're going to have yeah. a good time. You're going to have because it's always good people uh, at that party. So, uh, by the way, if you want to find me, find me on Twitter, Chuck Freeman, F R E I M U N D. If you want to find our podcast, Locked On Brewers, search Locked On Brewers on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell. We're on Google, Spotify, Apple. We're on all the major downloads. I'm download a episode after we get off here and uh, you know talk a little bit of Brewers off season and see what the latest is. So. But as always, Bill, I appreciate you, appreciate you coming on your show. Absolutely, pal. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Yeah, we'll keep in touch. There you go. That's our buddy Chuck Freeman, Locked on Brewers Podcast, at Chuck Freeman. You can find it over on, like he said, all the different platforms as well. Same with ours. You can find it at YouTube.com slash Show and find all that good stuff there as well. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap things up live out here at the Norwegian Hollow. We are in Viroqua, Wisconsin. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, ho, ho! I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho! Come on, Santa! Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 1231, 2023. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to beat on 
Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Final segment for this uh, particular moment. Uh, but uh, coming up later on tonight, we're here in Verroqua, Wisconsin. We're at the Norwegian Hollow 6 to 8 tonight. 6 to 8 tonight. We're going to be here. So come on out and say hello. The Bill Michaels Huddle broadcasting live out here in Verroqua. Again, the Norwegian Hollow. So if you want to come by and say hello, feel free to go ahead and do so. Looking forward to that tonight. Always fun. We got uh, Dan and Jay. I believe we're going to be playing some music from uh, f- uh, from five to six, and then six to eight tonight is us, and uh, we kind of go from there. So, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's always been a lot of fun. It's always a lot of uh, great time to come out here. I might uh, shop a little bit during the afternoon while I got a little downtime, pick up a f- couple of things, and then head back down to the Hollow and get dinner and hang out for a while. Uh, it is time now for. What do we miss? It's hard for me to do because I don't have much of a voice left. But, but Grant, what do we miss? Is anything in particular? So there's this story that's kind of bouncing around the uh, the NFL sphere, I guess. Cam Newton did a podcast, and he kind of called out Dak Prescott, who's the leading MVP candidate right now, for being a game manager. Yeah. And Did you see that? Did you hear him say it? So the clip is 50 seconds long, and I listened yeah. to the first half. Does he swear in this? Is this something we can play? Uh, he does swear at one okay. point. Okay. Yeah, he drops an MFR. Uh, naturally, of course. That's why yeah. I, was, I wanted to proofread it before we put it yeah. on. Yeah, he drops I, an MFR in there. I don't know if he's right. He might he be calls, right about. Well, not about Dak though. He's better. Jared, than Jared, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott. I think there was one or two other quarterbacks, and he said they're merely game managers. And with with Dak and Brock Purdy, I think he's crazy. You know, and this is also a guy who couldn't get a job. Don't forget, he uh, he was basically booed out of uh, out of New England, and his career was pretty much his career has been over ever since he played in the Super Bowl, and refused to take questions afterwards because they hurt his feelings. He's been done ever since. But to call them game manager, first of all, that's what I'm saying. The word game manager, we've talked about this before. The word game manager is used as like a dirty word. I mean. There is there, there's game managers and there's playmakers and there's some guys who on the run, in improvisation, can make something happen. I think they've all done it. I think they've all been able to do it at certain times. But to say you're a game manager, I think of game manager being more like Daniel Jones last year. You know when he all they had to do was give it to Saquon Barkley and make a couple of plays along the way, and that's all he did. That was a game manager. Um, I don't even think you could call Jordan Love a game manager. Because he's had so many intermediate throws this season, where he's he's at times he's tried to run the play the way it's designed, but there's other times where he's made throws on the run. He's been creative, but I, you know, again, he what what determines who's a game manager? You know what I mean? Well, being a game manager in 2023 means something different than it would have been 20 years ago because offensive coordinators are so much better and offenses are so much better and the rules to help the offense are are so much stronger. So you can be really, really good by simply sitting in the pocket, running the offense, hitting your guys. That kind of builds the floor for a quarterback, right? Isn't it funny? Because that's what we wanted out of Aaron Rodgers in his last year. Yeah. and Don't try to be creative. Just be a game manager. Yeah. And then when you need to make a play, make a play. And that was Cam's issue. It's funny that Cam mentioned this because if Cam could have been a game manager, his career would have lasted a lot longer but he when he played relied on his size his strength and making brilliant plays and that's great but it's hard to have a long stable successful career playing only that way it's hard to even really fathom that that he actually won an mvp you know 
I mean, Cam Newton was if you would you consider him like the one hit wonder? He had the MVP, and then he ended up taking his team to a Super Bowl, and you never heard from him again, other than just you know through flamboyant clothing. And by the way, did you see the podcast? He <laughs> yeah, he's got quite well, a fit I, on. I, it's like an elf threw up on him. It, it's it's like it's just it's yeah he's got a creative outfit, but yeah it's it's just bad all the way around. He became more interested in clothing than he did in in being a good quarterback. But anyway, uh, yeah, so he called Dak Prescott a game manager, and Dak probably you know laughs all the way to the bank and says, okay, I'll just have to worry about what I'm going to deal with on the upcoming schedule, and then kind of go from Dak for Dak Prescott. What he does now. In one hand, it's great for the buildup, but it really doesn't matter until come the postseason, because that's where he's been so bad so often. Totally, and and when I I like I think it's cool that Dak is is in the running for an MVP right now. I know Packers fans, we got problems with the Cowboys. We don't need to get into that. But but what Dak's doing this year is exactly what Matt Ryan did in 2016. Dak has been a a good quarterback his whole career. He's having a great year where everything's kind of lined yeah. up. This is not who Dak is now. He's having a great year. We're not saying he's an MVP. His entire career, he's having an awesome year this year. Um, and I think we need to remember, we're not going over the top with Dak. We're saying he's having an awesome year. Did Bill just cut out? I heard I heard the, uh, the crowd noise cut out in the back, and I thought Bill just muted his mic to have a coughing attack because he's been a little bit under the weather. I hope everything's okay. Well, the show's done in 30 seconds anyways. The Bill Michaels huddle... Coming up tonight at 6, we will have Rob Reichel. We'll have Mike Clemens. We'll hear the latest from the Packers coaches, players, as the locker room is open today. Jordan Love will speak. So Mike Clemens will bring that to us, and we'll also make our picks for week, is it week 13? No, it's week 14. Week 14, I think. So sorry we missed you the last 30 seconds, Bill. we got two more hours of Bill. Coming up later tonight, 4 to 6, the Bill Michaels Huddle. Stick around. You can listen and watch on all the video streams, all the ways that you normally watch and listen. That'll do the trick. So I will say this for Bill. Time for us to go until we talk again in four hours. Have a good one. See you.